Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 112 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. We've made it to week one of the NFL season. The wait is over. Well done, family. Let's have some fun. The Packers travel to Chicago to take on the Bears on Thursday night to kick things off for the 2019 NFL season. The Packers lead the all-time rivalry 97, 95, and 6. Also, happy Labor Day. And shout out to all of you hardworking folks out there. For me personally, growing up in a blue-collar household and priding myself on work ethic and earning your keep, I have the utmost respect for those that not only work for what they have personally, but also contribute to those around them. So big ups to yourself. Big up to those around you who are helping contribute and you contributing to them. Um, it's, a, it's a celebration. It's a day off of work for most of you. So enjoy the three-day weekend. I hope it's been nice and just know that your hard work does not go unnoticed. And a special shout out to my folks who worked their ass off my entire life to provide for myself and our family. Big up, Mama Pops. Yo, today I discuss my 2019 NFL win and loss projections for each team, including divisional winners and playoff predictions. I also give my Super Bowl matchup and some bowl predictions and crazy calls related to the NFL season itself and the teams included. A quick reminder that the TCK Pod Listener League draft is this Wednesday, September 4th, and I'll be doing a recap episode for y'all right after that, so stay tuned for those results. And we've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, y'all, we have finally made it to week one of the NFL season. We finally have games that actually count for the first time since February 3rd when the Patriots took down the Rams in Super Bowl 53. It's exciting that it is back here. We've been talking fantasy football since the NFL draft heavily in in, uh, April, but even recapped our 2018 predictions after the Super Bowl. I'm going to take this episode actually to... Step away from fantasy football just for one episode. I know. Step away for just one episode and look into the NFL teams and league records and wins and losses and bull predictions and crazy calls themselves for the NFL itself. Not so much fantasy football. Of course, a lot of what I'll say today has to do with fantasy football in general, but we're going to focus on the teams, the win-loss records, my predictions for all of the teams and all of their win-loss records, as well as who makes the playoffs, how far they're going to go, Super Bowl prediction, and then my bold predictions and crazy calls for the NFL teams, specifically not so much the players. So first of all, let's talk about the strength of schedule. Strength of schedule is basically determined on a few different factors. Um, Of course, they look at uh, who the team's opponents are this year with the current roster. They also go back and look at last year's um, injuries, uh, different things that had to do with why the team was good or bad last year um, as far as their record goes and acquisitions this year, of course, whether they're playing inside or outside, which divisions the NFL plays against. The NFL sets up the schedule each year where – Uh, Let's just take the AFC East, for example. 
all of the AFC East teams would play in a given season, not necessarily this year, but in a given season would play, um, say, the NFC East. So the AFC East would play the NFC East teams. So the Patriots would play all four NFC East teams. The Cowboys would play all AFC East teams and of course, the rest of those teams in those divisions likewise. So they rotate every four years to swap things out and keep it fresh. Um, but that's how the the schedule is more or less made um, on the NFL side. So the strength of schedule has a lot of different factors. But this year, the NFL has deemed the uh, top five easiest strength of schedules and the top five uh, or the top um, or bottom five, I should say, toughest schedules. So according to the NFL, the top five easiest strength of schedules, according to win-loss percentage from last year's teams, the Redskins have the easiest strength of schedule. I don't think that's going to matter at all. I've actually got them as one of the worst teams in the NFL, which I'll get to in a second. But the Redskins have the quote-unquote best uh, regular season schedule. And then uh, one, two, three, four, five teams are tied for the 27th, they call it, 27th strength of schedule, but the Patriots, Rams, Jets, Giants, and Bengals are all tied for the second best um, strength of schedule, the easiest strength of schedule. And then the bottom five toughest strength of schedules, the Raiders have the toughest strength of schedule this year, followed by the Broncos, the Jaguars, the Texans, and then the Bears and the Chiefs are tied for fifth toughest strength of schedule. So that being said, I took into consideration that I took into consideration the draft picks from this year's NFL draft. I also have been logging as best I can and keep up with all the free agency moves, the trades, injuries, everything else going down in camp, position battles, yada, yada. I have done my best to go through and scour each team's upcoming schedule for the 2000. 19 season and I have gone through with a fine tooth comb and picked what I think is going to be um, an accurate depiction of each team's individual record. Now, of course, injuries are going to happen. Uh, new acquisitions are going to happen. The trade deadline, of course, is going to happen and teams are going to swap, which is going to trade the la- uh, change the landscape of the NFL season. And furthermore, Certain budding stars we don't know about yet will happen. Uh, Certain teams are going to click. Certain coaching schemes are going to fall by the wayside and others are going to click that we're maybe not thinking about. Some teams I have predicted that are going to be terrible this year might surprise people. Other teams I think uh, might, you know, very much impress this year, could get hurt, um, could have a tougher schedule than I predicted and might uh, might fall. So, of course, these are not what's going to happen, obviously, but I have taken the time to go through every single team's individual schedule and give my prediction for um, their 2019 season. And I will also mention how they finished last year in 2018. So let's get right into the AFC East. We will start with the defending Super Bowl champions once again. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through each team per division. So I'll stick in a division for each four team and I'll uh, run those down and then I'll go through and I'll go uh, AFC first in the conference and then NFC and then break down my playoff predictions and so forth. So let's start with the AFC East. 
No surprise here, really. I've got the Patriots winning the division overall at 11 and 5. They were also 11 and 5 last year, of course, ran the table in the playoff and uh, beat the Rams in a pretty boring Super Bowl. But nonetheless, they got the W in the Super Bowl, bring home another Lombardi trophy to New England. So I've got the Patriots winning the AFC East once again. Runner up, though, I've got the Bills um, at 9 and 7 this year. And last year they were at six and ten. I think they rise up a little bit. Another year of Josh Allen. Um, I think Devin Singletary now getting an opportunity to play with Shady McCoy moving on to Kansas City. I think the Bills' uh, defense is really underrated, to be honest with you. I think they're going to have a nice offensive line, and I think they have some young, kind of underappreciated uh, wide receivers as well. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt in that division, and I will give the Bills uh, runner up in the AFC East at nine and seven. Third place in the AFC East, I've got the Jets at seven and nine, also improving by three games from four and twelve last year. The Jets have made a lot of moves, obviously Le'Veon Bell. Um, I also like them bringing in Jamison Crowder. Uh, they've got Sam Darnold in his second year, who I think is one of the most talented overall quarterbacks in the league, um, but still very young. I think they're still a year away or two from really competing for the playoffs, but I do have them at seven and nine. Um, improving by three games over last year. So I like the Jets a little bit worried about their defense overall, a little bit worried about that offensive line, But and Adam Gase, frankly, uh, is the biggest issue for me. But I've got the Jets at 7-9 and nine in the AFC East. Uh, and then uh, holding up the seller in the AFC in general, but definitely the AFC East is the uh, Dolphins. Um, I think uh, tank for Tua or tank for – Best quarterback available in the 2020 NFL draft is uh, underway, as we've seen in the last couple of days recently. The um, Dolphins are cleaning house. Uh, I have them finishing at 2-14. and 14. I'm not even sure how I figured out that they would get two wins, but um, so far I've got them at 2-14. and 14. Last year they had a decent season at 7-9. and nine. This year I just think that they're going to forfeit. Um Fitzmagic is is fun for fantasy, but not in the NFL. Rosen is just not the answer, unfortunately for him. He's just he's going to be cast aside again this year, and then you know washed away in 2020, I'm sure, for another quarterback. They just got rid of Kenny Stills, who I think might be their most prominent receiver in Miami. Um, Devontae Parker still hasn't hit stride. Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, I think, are both quality backs, but they just aren't giving them an opportunity. I think their defense is terrible. Kiko Alonso who I think is their best uh, linebacker, was just sent over to New Orleans. Laramie Tunzel, who's an off, uh, awesome offensive lineman, was just sent over to uh, Houston as well. So the Dolphins are cleaning house, cleaning ca cap space. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe uh, Kenyon Drake is actually moved by the deadline um, to free up some more. So Dolphins are absolutely uh, forfeiting the season, in my opinion. I've got them at 2-14 and 14 right now holding up the uh, bottom of the AFC East and furthermore, the AFC in general. Let's move on to the AFC North. I've got the Ravens winning the division this year, which they did last year. I've got the Ravens at 11 and five last year. They were 10 and six eking out the Steelers on the last um, game of the season, kicking the Steelers out of the playoffs and uh, making the playoffs uh, for themselves in Baltimore. I really believe in Lamar Jackson. I think he's a better quarterback than everyone's giving him credit for. We all know about the running ability, setting a record for most rushes by a quarterback in, 
and and frankly, just about half a season. I think he does that again this year under Greg Roman. Uh, I'm going to get more into the Ravens specifically in my bold prediction crazy calls segment of this episode, so I'll save a lot of that for then. But I like the run uh, first approach, which is kind of you know counterculture to the NFL these days. I think the defense is going to be just fine, although they did lose a handful of uh, weapons from last year, but I think they reload and they're a defensive-minded team. I think they'll be just fine in Baltimore. I've got them edging out the Browns by one game, Ravens 11-5. and five. I've got the Browns at 10-6. and six. Um, This could go either way. I, I, I like the Browns to actually win the division, potentially, depending on how the Ravens actually work out, but a lot of the Browns has to do with Odell Beckham, of course. Last year, the Browns uh, improved from 0-16, so they were, uh, they were able to you know, have a, a ton of dismal years, but they were able to bounce back to seven, eight, and one last year, um, tying the Steelers opening day last year, um, and then bouncing back to rally off a really nice season, to be honest, with a rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield, a lot of young weapons, a rookie running back in Nick Chubb, uh, a lot of kind of un, you know, unprecedented receivers outside of uh, um, Landry, uh, but now they get. Uh, Odell Beckham, of course, they got Kareem Hunt, who just had sports hernia surgery. He's also suspended for the first half of the season. So I'm not crazy about Kareem Hunt in general as an individual. But nonetheless, if they do make the playoffs and he's healthy down the stretch, um, I think he could really help out the team as a dual threat uh, running back there um, if they don't move on from him at the trade deadline. So like the Browns, I also really like the Browns defense this year. I think that they uh, are another, just like the Bills, I think an underrated defense in the AFC there. So got the Ravens at 11 to five, the Browns um, in second in the division at 10 and six. And then I've got the Steelers at eight and eight. Um, This is kind of weird because, you know, the Steelers were nine and six last year. Again, just barely missing the playoffs. Steelers are perennially above 500, but again, AB is gone. We'll see how Juju can take on that number one role. James Washington, I love. Uh, Deontay uh, Deontay Johnson, I think, is going to be great eventually, but again, young receivers. Big Ben is fine, but we'll see how much he can do without Antonio Brown. I think that Steelers defense, which they have been known for for decades, is going to be good, but I think they're going to take a step back this year. So I've got the Steelers in third in the division at eight and eight, and then the Bungles uh, holding up the cellar once again at five and eleven. A lot of this just has to do with AJ Green, um, and I'm not sure what Andy Dalton's going to be. I'm also not crazy about the Bengals' defense. They've already had two stud offensive linemen get hurt. Uh, the Bengals are off to a rough start here in the uh, Zach Taylor era. I like them moving forward. I actually think before too long, I think that the Bengals, if they can get a quarterback, I think they actually might pass up the Steelers, to be honest, maybe even next year, depending on Big Ben and, and his history. But um, I like the the Bengals' skill players-ish. Tyler Boyd I like a lot in fantasy, and I also like uh, Joe Mixon, of course. Um, but just overall as a team, I don't think they have enough to, to get it done. The Steelers have too much firepower. Uh, they're not going to be last, I don't think, unless James Conner or Jalen Samuels go down. Um, so I'm going to take the Bungles to hold up the AFC North. So I've got the Ravens, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Bengals in that order for the AFC North. Let's go to the AFC South. I've got the Texans winning the division at 10-6. and six. When I did my first original kind of set of these um, wins and losses. I actually did a round of these uh, before the 
NFL draft on purpose, just kind of face value how these teams were and my immediate reaction from the 2018 season. Surprisingly enough, I had the Texans, Colts, Giants, uh, excuse me, Texans, Colts, Titans, and Jaguars, all four teams finishing at eight and eight, all four of them. Uh, now this is, I, I go through every single week of the season head to head with all of these teams. So I did not, you know, kind of just guess these uh, records. And and by the time I had tallied up all my wins and losses for each team, surprisingly, all of the AFC South teams were at eight and eight exactly, which obviously is, is ridiculous and would be crazy if that actually happened. There'd be a lot of tiebreaker uh, issues there, but after the draft, after the free agency, after preseason, after all these injuries, after Houston Texans changing half of their roster, Lamar uh, Miller going down, of course, um, there was a lot to redigest. So in redoing these uh, wins and losses here, I've got the Texans coming out on top, but it's still a very close uh, division. Um, and of course, I'll get into Andrew Luck in just a second. Got the Texans winning the division at ten and six. Last year, they won the division at eleven and five. Um, Texans are one of those teams where I could see them going twelve and four, thirteen and three if everything clicks. If JJ Watt stays healthy, but of course, there's no more Jadavion Clowney who is now in Seattle. But if Watt can stay healthy, and if they're back in, and the defense can stay healthy, Deshaun Watson stays healthy. And they're able to get Duke Johnson going, and they're able to get uh, their receivers staying healthy with Kenny Stills now, Laramie Tunzel, who I just mentioned on that offensive line. The Texans could straight up be Super Bowl contenders. I truly believe that if everyone stays healthy, but we haven't seen that over the years. So I've got them at a modest 10 and 6, which I will just say that I think that's too low, but that's kind of how my head-to-head matchups ended up when I was doing the schedule. So I've got them at 10 and 6, but I actually like them to be a little bit better than that to be honest with you maybe closer 11 and 5 12 and 4 overall next i've got the colts at 8 and 8 this just has to do with andrew luck retiring jacoby Brissett. i mentioned right away when andrew luck retired i made a long instagram post you can check out um on the ig uh that's at fantasy football underscore tck pod basically i had the colts at like 13 and three going into this uh, a couple weeks ago when I had done my post NFL draft, you know, reseedings. But Andrew Luck retiring just changes the whole landscape of the AFC in general. The AFC South is a division, and of course, the Colts individually. So I don't think Jacoby Brissett's terrible. He's not terrible. I had mentioned that he has been in the league for a long time. He's a seasoned veteran, hasn't had a ton of playing time. He did play a bunch in 2017 when Luck was down as well and was okay with the Colts. He also played behind Brady for a while. So I think he's going to be okay. The Colts still have, I think, the number one offensive line in the league, a very good back in Marlon Mack. They also have a nice secondary piece um, in Naheem Hines. They have really solid receivers, um, both young and veteran. Two very uh, competent tight ends and another underrated defense, I think. So I think the Colts could even be better than eight and eight, but it's just hard for me to think that Jacoby Brissett is going to help them get over 500 this year. Moving forward, we'll see what happens and how he plays. But this year I've got the Colts at eight and eight. They finished last year, 10 and six. I've got the Titans at six and 10, and I've also got the Jags at six and 10. The Titans are a team that I'm just kind of fading in general. Um, I'm, I'm really worried about the quarterback 
position for the Titans. Uh, unfortunately, my boy Mariota is just not up to snuff with injuries and not playing to his capabilities. He's actually, frankly, looked horrendous in the preseason, which just sucks. As a Duck fan and as a Mariota fan in general, it's just shitty to see him playing horribly. But uh, Ryan Tannehill has looked okay, but not incredible there either. Derrick Henry's already hurt. I'm kind of fading him in general at his ADP. I think he's a good running back in general, but at his ADP in like the fourth round, I'm, I'm fading that third, fourth round. No, thank you. He's also hurt a little bit. Deion Lewis, I think, is a def- definitely a competent um, second fiddle there, uh, but you know, maybe an underrated pass catcher and frankly, an underrated rusher with Deion Lewis, but I just don't think he's going to be able to do enough. Taylor Lewan is missing five or excuse me, four games to start the season. That's not good for the uh, Titans, obviously. So I've got them falling a little bit. I like their defense a lot. I just don't think their offense is going to be able to compete enough. Uh, That wide receiver core is really suspect as well without um, quarterback play and Delaney Walker uh, is another foot injury from potential retirement. And then with the Jags, kind of the same thing. I think a lot of this has to do with uh, Leonard Fournette and what we're going to get out of that defense. Two years ago, the Jaguars were far and away the best defense in the NFL and in fantasy football. Come back last year and they shit the bed. There was a lot of infighting, a lot of drama, a lot of garbage, um, guys calling each other out. It was an absolute mess in Jacksonville all around last year. They ended up 5-11 last year. And this year I've got him at six and ten. Again, I don't super believe in Foles. He is better than Blake Bortles, but I don't think that much better. If Leonard Fournette stays healthy for 16 games, which I think is a long shot, but let's give him 14 at best. I think the Jags are 500 at least. If their defense plays well and Leonard Fournette plays 12 to 14 games, they could win 10 games, I think, easily. Um, but unfortunately, I don't. I have to see the the defense come back to fruition outside of Ramsey running his mouth. I need to see them actually get cohesive again. I need to see this young who's who receiving core actually come to fruition. I need to see Foles, who has been a hero the last couple of years for the Eagles, be the number one guy for an entire season. And I need to see Leonard Fournette stay healthy. So for all those reasons, I've got the Jags kind of with the Titans there at the bottom of the division at six and 10, but I could definitely see the Jags kind of going from a worst to first almost if Fournette stays healthy and that defense actually comes back to what it was two years ago. And if um, Nick Foles can actually kind of become that playoff Nick Foles for an entire season, the Jags could actually be kind of scary to be honest with you, but I got to see all that happen first. Not convinced yet. I've got them at six and 10. So in the AFC South, I've got the Texans, Colts, Titans, and Jags. Last division in the AFC West, I have the Chiefs at um, number one here in the division, which is no surprise. But I think last year I did this too. I had trouble kind of with the Chiefs and the Chargers, Chiefs and Chargers. And it seems a little easier with Melvin Gordon now. Frank, I mean, news dropped just you know within hours that Melvin Gordon, frankly, they are done with negotiations for Melvin Gordon, period, from the team until after the season. So either Melvin Gordon is going to play for less money than he's been holding out for, or he's not going to play, period, unless he finds a trading partner and the, the Chargers have allowed him to seek trading partners. The thing's a fucking shit show, to be honest with you. Um, I have no reaction on, on Melvin Gordon right now. I've talked about him endlessly on the podcast already for fantasy values. I'm trying to keep it like NFL for this podcast, but 
it's been a mess to say the least, unfortunately. So I'm going to just save the Melvin Gordon hype for later. If he finds a new team, we'll cover that right away, of course. If he holds out indefinitely like Le'Veon Bell did, of course, you'll know about that right away. And if he plays for less money, we'll report that immediately. But right now, everything's in limbo. Looks like shit for Melvin Gordon. If you're drafting him before the fourth round, in my opinion, you're a fool. If you're if you're able to hold on to him in dynasty leagues and shit, awesome. Otherwise, oof, it's uh, it's risky business right now to say the least. Moving on, um, the Chiefs. I just think are an easier grab to win the division here. Uh, we all know about Mahomes. Tyreek Hill is playing as of now. Um, he's not one hundred percent out of the woods. He will start the season, or should, unless he gets suspended in the next you know week. He should start the season as. Uh, you know, a full-time player. He has no suspension, but technically evidence could come up from his uh, child abuse acquisitions um, from earlier in this preseason. If that happens, we'll revisit it, of course. But saying that he's clean, Travis Kelsey, um, that defense getting a little bit better from last year, uh, and LaShawn McCoy now coming over to the Chiefs to revisit um, Andy Reid, who basically kind of, you know, helped LaShawn McCoy become Shady McCoy in Philadelphia early in his career. Uh, I like that a lot. Damian Williams, of course. We still have uh, Darwin Thompson um, and Nicole Hardman, and we have uh, Sammy Watkins. I mean, they're absolutely loaded in the Chiefs, so I like that a lot. I've got them at 11-5, and five, which might be kind of modest. They finished 12-4 and four last year, but I've got them at 11-5 and five because the way that I looked at their, uh, their overall schedule, it was just kind of gnarly, and as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, they are tied for fifth toughest schedule in the NFL. So right now I've got them at 11-5, and five, but I do have them winning the division. Next up, I have the Chargers at 10 and 6. They also finished 12 and 4, but got beat out in a tiebreaker from the Chiefs last year. I've got the Chargers at 10 and 6. Again, a lot of this has to do with the Melvin Gordon situation, but it also has to do with the uncertainty of how that offense is going to run in general without Melvin Gordon. I think Austin Eckler's fine. I think Justin Jackson can fill in enough and that two-headed monster will get them moving enough the offense rivers everybody else will be okay but it's not melvin gordon i think that hurts them in the long run hunter henry coming back is exciting especially for fantasy it's exciting for the nfl he looks good he says he feels good um he's been running routes i mean he, everything points to him being just fine but he's lost a lot of time the last couple of years if he gets hurt again who are they going to have antonio gates again we'll see um Keenan Allen, one of the best receivers in the league. Mike Williams, I think one of the best budding receivers in the league. They brought back um, Dontrell Inman, who had take a you know cup of coffee with the Patriots, but got cut, so they brought him back. Um, Tyrell Williams, of course, is now uh, with Antonio Brown and the Raiders, who we'll get to in just a second. But the Chargers, I think, are still going to be a playoff contender and possibly even make the playoffs. Uh, but um, I think it's going to be limping along the way to be honest, versus a dominant force that they were last year and that defense too. That defense is just going to be – the it's going to be make or break for the Chargers, I think. The Melvin Gordon thing is already broken uh, right now I uh, you know for the offense, but that defense too, I think the, the Chargers are going to go how that defense allows them to this year, um, and we'll see how it goes. So I've got them at 10-6 and six in uh, second in the division there for the AFC West. 
Followed up in third, I've actually got the Raiders. Raiders were six and ten last year. They felt so much worse than six and ten last year, but they somehow squeaked out six W's. This year, I've got them one more, seven and nine. You know, I bash the Raiders constantly because I grew up a 49er fan. That's just kind of what you do, you know, living in the Bay. Uh, I grew up, you know, not too far from the stadium. Our buddy Daniel, who's a co-host here on the podcast, lives down the street from the stadium. I've been to a million A's games for baseball. It's a shithole stadium, frankly. They're going to be stoked to get to Vegas, although the Oakland fan base is not. That said, I've cracked on the Raiders enough just because that's kind of what you do. However, talking real, you know, those Buccaneers teams were were awesome with John Gruden. One of my favorite teams of all time is the 2002 Buccaneers teams um, where, you know, when I was growing up in high school, uh, they were f- my favorite team in the NFL, aside from the 49ers, uh, winning the Super Bowl over the Raiders. Um, and then, of course, John Gruden goes to the Raiders. Um, and, uh, you know, it comes back to the Raiders after 10 years, I should say. And the Raiders teams with John Gruden also back in the day were, were solid. So if they buy into the hype for John Gruden and AB, you know, keeps his head out of his ass more than he's already, uh, you know, kind of failed to do so for the preseason this year, I think the Raiders will be just fine, to be honest. I'm not crazy about them. Um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, but seven and nine, I think would be an absolute seven and nine to 500 would be an absolute winning season for the Raiders, literally and figuratively, just because. They are one of those teams where if everything clicks and Derek Carr is actually back to his quote-unquote MVP uh, campaign a few years ago and Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams gets a time to shine as the as the second dude um, and Darren Waller uh, becomes Jared, Jared Cook all over again at the tight end position and Josh Jacobs is a bell cow running back and everything works out in the offense, awesome. I think their defense is still going to be tough and um, they have, like I said, the, the toughest schedule in the NFL this year. So I think seven and nine is even kind of generous for them, Uh, but I will give them seven and nine. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I hope I'm rooting for John Gruden. I'm I'm not one of these guys that, that hates him. I I like him a lot. Um, Antonio Brown's a clown, but I've been a fan of his for a long time as well. I just hope the Raiders do well in general. I think it'd be great for the the city of Oakland on a farewell before they get down to Vegas, um, and it would just be kind of nice. So I've got them at seven and nine, not crazy, but also not terrible. And then last but not least in the AFC West, I've got the Broncos at five and 11. They were four and 12 last year. I'll give them one more win. I think the defense is actually going to be significantly better this year. Uh, they got Nick Fangio now um, leading the charge, which I think, I think will help a lot. Um, he, you know, he was helping out with the, the Bears last year. This comes down to I, my disbelief in the quarterback position in, uh, period for the Broncos. Since Peyton Manning retired, the Broncos quarterback carousel has been fucking unreasonably horrible. Um, And unfortunately, I think that continues this year. Joe Flacco has a better pedigree than anybody they've had since Peyton Manning. He's also arguably still more talented than anybody, but I just don't think he's that good anyway. Um, Emmanuel Sanders coming back and looking honestly amazing in the preseason is really going to help. That's great. But worried about Philip Lindsay regressing a little bit. I've already mentioned that. I like Royce Freeman a lot, but we'll see what they actually can do there. I like a lot of the young 
receivers, but I don't think Cortland Sutton is is a definite number one. I'm worried about that. Deshaun Hamilton's awesome. Tim Patrick's awesome, but we'll see if Flacco can actually make it happen. So unless a defense can carry them, I think that the Broncos in general are going to be in the cellar there. So I've got them at five and 11, one win better than last year. So for the AFC West, I've got the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. My playoff teams for the AFC are as follows. I've got the Chiefs as the one seed, the Ravens as the two seed, the Patriots as the three seed, Texans as the four seed, the Chargers as the five seed in the first wild card, and the Browns as the six seed and the second wild card team there. So I those that playoff bracket to me looks pretty dangerous. Um there's a couple teams that could maybe be on the bubble, as I mentioned, which I'll get into a couple of them on bold predictions and uh, crazy calls segments. So I'll save some of those, but this seems pretty fair to me. Once again, I've got the Chiefs, Ravens, Patriots, Texans, Chargers, and Browns as the six AFC playoff teams. And I've got the Chiefs and the Ravens making it all the way to the conference game. So I've worked out basically if this was the seeding, I've worked out who would play who and best seed available and all that shit. And basically I've come down to the conference championship game in the AFC would be the Chiefs and the Ravens with the Chiefs hosting the Ravens. And I've got the uh, the Chiefs winning that game and representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. So one more time in the AFC, I've got the Chiefs as the one seed, Ravens two, Patriots three, Texans four, Chargers five. Browns six, the Chiefs and the Ravens in the AFC championship game, excuse me. And I've got the Chiefs representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Let's turn our focus to the NFC now. And let's start with the NFC East. I've got the Cowboys winning the division at nine and seven. Last year they were 10 and six, also winning the division. Originally, I wanted, I kind of had the the Cowboys. I mentioned uh, earlier in the episode that I had um, the Colts much better, and obviously Andrew Luck retires and things changed. Um, the Cowboys, I also had much better. I had them at twelve and four actually, and Zeke will play um, now, ending his holdout and things. But I'm I'm just curious on how this whole thing is going to mesh. To be honest with you, I think it's a little bit weird. And football and paperwork and numbers and money aside, there's always a human element to these things. Um, we'll see what happens. Like Tony Pollard obviously played very well in the preseason, representing the Cowboys' backfield. Just in case Zeke did inevitably hold out the entire season, I think he's going to get some more work. The good news about the Cowboys and why I have this entire preseason and remain to have Zeke as my number one overall running back in all formats is because their offensive line is fully healthy. Now Travis Frederick is coming back, which is excellent. Tyrone Smith is back um, and, and at full health, which is awesome as well as Zach Martin. So they and the Colts have the best offensive lines in my opinion with the Eagles who I'll get to in just a second, but their defense I think is going to be significantly better this year as well. And as long as Sean Lee can stay healthy, they should be an absolute machine in the run in the linebacker core there, which will be nice. Um, but I'm I'm a little bit concerned about how Zeke's whole situation works out. I'm a fan of Dak, but I'm worried about how his whole 
situation ends up as well with the money and, and kind of being the primetime guy there and, and stuff. And he seems like a pretty cool, uh, cool customer, but there's a lot of pressure on him, I think, to take him over the top now and just them being the Cowboys. That's always the case. But the time is right now. The window is closing on Zeke and Dak. Uh, and maybe not Dak so much, obviously, because he's young and a quarterback. But but the Zeke reign as as a, a premier, maybe the number one running back in the league, um, depending on how you look at it. So additionally, Amari Cooper um, is hobbled right now. And we saw uh, back at Alabama, um, but also uh, – in his rookie year with the Raiders, he was injured. He had some foot issues then. Now he's dealing with some plantar, uh, plantar fasciitis. He's also dealing with uh, kind of a, a foot sprain. These are things that hurt wide receivers, and they linger, and they don't go away, and I'm really worried about that for Amari Cooper. I'm not saying don't draft him, but I'm saying just kind of a red flag. I've dropped him on my rankings quite a bit. I love Michael Gallup. Um, we'll see if he can bud, but nonetheless – long description on the Cowboys. I apologize. I've got the Cowboys winning the division, but just edging out the Eagles. Uh, so I've got the Cowboys at nine and seven. They won a division at 10 and six last year. So let's move on to the Eagles who I've got. Um, it's second in the division. They're at nine and seven as well in my predictions, but I've got the Cowboys beating them out head to head. I've got the Cowboys beating them twice, therefore giving the Cowboys the edge there in the division. The Eagles were nine and seven as well last year, um, making the playoffs and again, kind of accidentally skating by the Bears, which was bullshit when Cody Parkey missed a field goal and uh, the Eagles moved on. But nonetheless, they did make the playoffs last year. But um, I've got them second in the division this year at nine and seven. Uh, I think they'll be fine, but they, just like every other team, has a big question mark. The Eagles' big question mark, of course, is Carson Wentz. If he's healthy for 14 to 16 games, they could end up winning 12 uh, for sure. Um, if he gets hurt again, they don't have Nick Foles behind him. Worried about that. Um, they have younger, unproven quarterbacks and a scratchy backfield and, you know, kind of some decent wide receiving options outside of Alshon Jeffrey uh, and Zach Ertz is awesome, but Dallas Goddard's going to be there as well, which is going to be great. But how are they going to actually work with that? Defense is really solid, but a lot of question marks, I think for both the Cowboys and the Eagles. So for me, I'm just going to put them side by side, nine and seven a piece, but I've got the Cowboys eventually edging them out overall. Moving on to the Giants. I've got the Giants third in the uh, NFC East at five and 11. Last year, they were five and 11 as well. I think they start really shitty, like 0-3, 0-4 maybe. And then Eli, unfortunately, is um, ridden off into the sunset and basically to his uh, you know, eventual retirement. And they bring in Daniel Jones, who, again, I'll say it one last time and let it go. Uh, I'm not saying that I was a Daniel Jones believer in the draft per se, um, but I did make a claim as soon as he was drafted in the reaction of the draft room, all of Nashville, Tennessee live, all of ESPN, the fucking giants, New York times, everything was that this kid was not built to be the giants quarterback. He was going to fail. They set him up for failure. They were basically like, he'll never be Eli. He'll never this and this and this. Well, in the preseason, he has done absolutely fucking everything that they could possibly hope for as a, for now, backup rookie quarterback. But he's going to be the quarterback of the Giants this year, probably more than half the season. And I think he's going to be quite successful with a pretty shoddy team around him, in my opinion. Saquon is Saquon, um, and Evan Ingram is pretty solid, but 
I'm, I don't know. I'm still not super buying the hype. I think he fell into a real nice situation two years ago when everybody else got hurt around him. Sterling Shepard's awesome, um, but can he be a true number one? We'll see. Uh, and then Golden Tate, who's going to be suspended for four games, um, and then come back. You know, we'll see how he fits in as well uh, with a new team. And I just think that defense is going to be so bad um, that they're not going to be able to really compete. But I'll give him five and eleven. And next year with Daniel Jones coming in, I'm, I'm probably going to have him about eight and eight uh, at least because I, I actually do believe in the Giants in the future um, with Daniel Jones, but. Not yet. So I've got them at five and eleven. Uh, next in the NFC East and last in the uh, division, I've got the Redskins at four and twelve. Last year they were seven and nine. They were cruising last year before Alex Smith um, horrendously broke his leg, and they just fucking went down the tank from there. Multiple quarterbacks were terrible. Somehow Adrian Peterson still ran for a thousand yards, but they lost rookie Darius Geis in the beginning of the season and preseason last year. He's back. So I'm excited to see him, but we'll see what he actually is able to do. What AP is still able to do. If that offensive line can actually stay healthy for the first time in a couple of seasons, if that defense is going to be able to stay healthy, uh, what they're going to do a quarterback, which I think is going to be an absolute nightmare all season, to be honest with you. Dwayne Haskins is like, I, but I'm not a super, I don't know. I just don't think he's that amazing. I think he's better than everybody they have, but because he's a rookie uh, and they paid too much money to bring in Case Keenum, I think they're going to give Case Keenum the first chance. Uh, Dwayne Haskins will play before too long as well, just like Daniel Jones, but I just don't think he's going to be able to carry a team with a injured, essentially rookie running back, an ancient veteran running back, um, Jordan Reed, who I don't know if he'll even play again after that hit the other night and his seventh career concussion. Um, and, you know, just bogus receivers, in my opinion. Um, I challenge you to, without looking it up, uh, now that Doxon is is uh, cut, who can you name on the Redskins as a receiver? So Redskins, I think, are hurting. I think I was generous, just like the Dolphins, at giving them four wins. I think it could be even less than that. But in the NFC East, I've got the Cowboys edging out the Eagles head-to-head. Uh, both nine and seven, but I got the uh, Cowboys winning the division. So I got the Cowboys, Eagles, Giants in third, and the Redskins holding up the rear. Then I've got the NFC North. I've got the Bears winning the division once again. Last year they were 12 and four. I've got them at 12 and four again this year. Uh, they have a tough schedule, but I just think the Bears defense, that offense with Nagy, I really believe in Montgomery. I really believe in Trubisky. I, I just, I hope that. Anthony Miller can stay healthy. Um, I think Riley Ridley is going to be able to kind of, you know, uh, emerge as a rookie. They have Taylor Gabriel and Allen Robinson, who's a couple years removed from his ACL now. So hopefully he goes full speed. Uh, and Tariq Cohen, of course. I think they have one of the most overall talented teams in the NFL, period. Uh, and I like the Bears a lot. So I'm going to take them uh, to win the division at 12 and four. And then the Packers. Uh, one game behind them at 11 and five coming in second last year was just a lost year for the Packers six, nine and one. Um, they tied the Vikings in a game, which was just a shit show. Um, of course, Aaron Rodgers opening night, uh, the bears and the Packers, you know, get after it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers goes down early in the game, leaves, comes back heroically beats the fucking bears in Aaron Rodgers fashion, but basically played on like half of a leg last year. Um, Geronimo Allison went down early last year. Their running back core, which is really talented, Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams, 
uh, both talented backs, but they were both battling injury last year. Jimmy Graham broke his hand in the last half of the season, was playing with literally a club on his hand. Uh, the defense was supposed to get better, but they just didn't. Um, I think all that gets fixed this year. I really do. Mike McCarthy's finally out. The general Aaron Rodgers is in charge. I think that Matt LaFleur would be a fool to not let Aaron Rodgers kind of run the show as long as it's working. I think that receiving core is one of, if not the best overall receiving core in the NFL right now, if everyone stays healthy. Love Aaron Jones. Um, I like the kind of up pace uh, tempo, hopefully, that the uh, Packers and Rodgers like to run. will come back after sluggish years with McCarthy. Um, and I've mentioned it multiple times recently that I just think that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out to try to prove himself, reprove himself, that he is, in fact, still Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, all these young bucks uh, coming up who are, quote unquote, the best, uh, you know, new faces in the league. Let's not forget about Aaron Rodgers, who has had a few down years himself and the team has missed the playoffs the last couple of years. I think all that changes. Love Aaron Rodgers in fantasy. Love the Packers and NFL football. I think they turn it around immensely this year. Uh, and um, come on second, just short of the Bears. But if the Bears falter at all, I could see the Packers winning this division as well. And next up, we've got the Vikings um, at eight and eight. And they were eight, seven, and one last year, again, tying the Packers. Um, this is just a matter of my distrust in Kirk Cousins. I If, if Dalvin Cook legit stays healthy, and that Vikings defense that was so nasty for the last couple of years gets back and sobers up from last year's debacle. You know, this could be the most competitive division um, in, in football period, but I just don't believe in cousins. Um, He's good. He's, he's a good quarterback. He's a great second quarterback in, in a two QB leagues in fantasy football, but out of, I don't know, 15, 20 quarterback, like real NFL quarterbacks. If they were lined up and I was starting a franchise, I'm picking 15 guys at least in real football ahead of cousins, probably 20. I'm just not about it. I don't like, I just, there's something about him. Um, I know 4,000 yards. I get all that. It, for some reason, it just, it doesn't, uh, it just doesn't um, taste good for me. Uh, I love Thielen. I love Diggs. I think they're two of the most talented in the NFL um, receivers, but since Kevin Stefanski took over, they're a run first team, which Mike Zimmer wants to do and play defense. And I think that's going to be great uh, for them. And I think that'd be great for Dalvin Cook as long as he stays healthy. But overall in the NFL, I wonder if that's going to work against two what should be high powered offenses and the Bears and the Packers and the Lions who could potentially turn it on a little bit as well from time to time, plus the rest of their schedule. So I just got the Vikings at eight and eight. Um, of course they have the talent all over the field to be 10 and six at least. Uh, but right now I've got them at eight and eight and then holding up the NFC North. I've got the lions at four and 12. Um, I just think they're turning back the clock a little too far. Love carry on Johnson. I think Kenny Galladay's solid, but not, not baby Tron yet. Uh, I know everyone wants him to be Calvin Johnson already. He just isn't yet, um, really solid receiver, but I think still young and kind of immature, Marvin Jones, I think, is just still a better receiver and just criminally disrespected both in fantasy football and in real football. Um, but I think their defense is going to be real shaky. The offensive line could be shaky. Uh, carry on is going to be great when he gets the ball, but he's not going to be a bell cow. CJ Anderson's there now. We'll see what happens with that. Matt Stafford is awesome. Basically played with you know broken bones in his back and fractures and shit last year. So he should be better. But overall, I just I don't think the 
you know, run the ball 40 times without a defense um, approach is going to work like it might in uh, in Seattle um, or in Baltimore. Uh, I just don't think the Lions are going to be able to play that type of football with the team that they have in the division that they're in. So while it, I think it'll work for the Seahawks and the Ravens, I don't think it works for the Lions. I've got them at 4-12. and 12. So the NFC North rallies up to the Bears winning the division, Packers second, Vikings in third, and the Lions holding down the cellar. NFC South, I've got the Saints winning the division, but just at 10-6. and six. Now when I ran my pro- my projections, which again, I don't, I don't just like think like they're the Saints, like who the fuck's going to beat the Saints. I just, I don't know. I don't think like that. Yeah. Yes, of course. I think the Saints are one of the best teams in the league. I love Breeze and Michael Thomas and Kamara and fucking everybody else. Uh, But I don't think of it like that when I do my projections. I literally set up a schedule and I go down game by game. Who's at home? Who's on the road? What time of year is it? Are they outside in the snow? Are they indoors? Um, you know, what's going on? Is it week 17 and maybe this team isn't fucking playing for anything? Is a guy suspended so they don't have him in the, say, the first three games of the season so he's not a factor to play against? That kind of shit. It changes the mentality. Um, that's why I'm doing this episode. I know nobody wants to hear NFL shit on a fantasy podcast. I get all that. I think it's important, though, to run these games down, though, and think about, like, the football aspect of this, too, within the fantasy landscape. So that being said, Last year, the Saints should have gone to the Super Bowl, which we're not going to go over because we all know it was fucking rigged, and that's just really sad for the second year in a row. I can stomach the fact that the Vikings just straight up beat them on a fluke play two years ago. Last year's bullshit was just was just straight up wrong. Um, this year, let's just hope Drew Brees gets all the way. I'm a huge fan, and we'll see what happens. Last year, they were 13-3. and three. This year, I've got them at 10-6, and six, uh, which was really surprising when I ran my projections, but that's what I came out to. So I've got them winning the division, but modestly at 10-6. and six. I've got the Buccaneers um, at 9-7. and seven, And I, I think this is kind of generous, um, potentially. Uh, they were 5-11 and 11 last year, and I've got the Bucks at in second place, so that obviously means I have the Falcons and the Panthers behind them, which I'll get to in a second. The Bucks are an interesting team. Basically, if, if, if Jameis can grow up and mature and just focus on his shit and his talent and channel that, and they have any resemblance of a run game and any bit of a defense, I really think Bruce Arians can muscle these guys into a 500-plus team and I have my concerns about the Falcons and the Panthers, which I'll get into. Therefore, I've got the Bucks actually surprising um, and being second in this division this year. So I've got the Saints at six and ten. I just think they're they're um, potentially maybe slowing down a little bit. Uh, although that Kiko Alonso pickup for the Saints, I think, was massive um, in the linebacking course. Their defense could be better, um, but I don't know. I just have a hunch that they might slow down a little bit this year with more of a run base and just try to you know grind games out and shit. But you know, the Saints could be fourteen and two, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. But my projections ran them at ten and six. The Bucks at nine and seven, and then third, I've got the Falcons at eight and eight. Um. I spoiler alert, I'm going to get into the Falcons and my bull predictions and crazy calls segment uh, on the second half of this episode here. And um, it it really comes down to a bunch of different factors, uh, which I'm going to get into, but they have a, they have a tough schedule. Um, A lot of their guys are coming back from injury. Devonta Freeman, I'm scared shitless of, to be honest with you, um, to stay healthy. 
Dirk Cutter's coming back, which I think is cool overall, but will it happen in the first year with him back? There's just a lot of question marks going on with the Falcons. So right now I've got them at 500. They were 7-9 and nine last year. They should have been better than that last year, but they got destroyed by injuries. So I'll give them an extra game at 8-8. Eight and eight. And then I've got the Panthers holding up the rear at 4-12. and 12. If you're a Cam Newton person, you're probably fucking turning off the podcast, and that's fine. Uh, if you're not, um, and you've been listening to what I've been saying for the last month plus, then this might be, you know, four and 12, I think is a little aggressive on how bad the Panthers might actually be because Christian McCaffrey alone is probably good for five to six wins. However, I'm worried about Cam Newton. I made my, uh, my bust list the day before I dropped that episode, the day before he got hurt. And what I said in the bus list was, I'm not worried about his talent. I know what Cam Newton is. I know who he's been for the legendary fantasy career that he's had. I'm worried about the injuries taking toll on him. Shoulder surgery again, lower body injuries, uh, not running as much. I and mean, if he doesn't run as much, he's not going to be that good of a quarterback, for fantasy at least. I'm worried about all that. Sure enough, the next day he's scrambling in the pocket. You know, a fluke injury, whatever. I'm not going to say I like called him or fucking hexed it or anything. But the point is, he got hurt again. It's not super serious. He should play, and he should be out there just fine. But this, these things are racking up. I'm worried about it. Um, I like the talent around him, but I just don't think they're the Panthers that they were a few years ago. I really, really think that the injuries are going to um, stack up on Cam. Um, so I'm worried about that. So I've got him at four and twelve, which I'll, I'll admit is uh, is a little a little aggressive. Um, I think six and 10, seven and nine, I would probably feel better about, but again, I don't think about it like that. I run game by game and I count my tallies at the end wins and losses. And I had them at four and 12. So maybe my, <laughs> this one could definitely come and, you know, bite me in the ass if they're, you know, 11 and five or something at the end of the season, I could see that happening if cam does in fact stay healthy, but I'm concerned about it. So in the a NFC South, I've got the saints, the bucks, the Falcons and the Panthers. Last division here for the breakdowns, I have the NFC West, and I've got the Seahawks winning the division at 11-5. They were 10-6 and six last year. Uh, of course, the Rams ran shit in the NFC and the NFL last year, getting all the way to the Super Bowl, as I mentioned, and you all know, I'm sure, um, losing to the Patriots. But um, I've got the Seahawks actually winning the division this year. And I'm going to get into the Rams a little bit more in the uh, bowl predictions, crazy calls segment. So I'm going to save that. But the Seahawks, they're just a good football team. Um, Pete Carroll, as much as he's kind of a clown, um, my dad actually went to high school with him. So I happen to, I don't know Pete Carroll personally per se, but my dad literally played Little League with him and grew up playing high school ball and shit like that with Pete Carroll um, a million years ago. And I just, I don't know, I know a little bit more about Pete Carroll and stuff. He's not really a huge fan of him, uh, but he's a good football coach and he's a player's coach. And the defense, I think, has rekindled itself uh, after kind of a down year last year. Um, they have two really solid uh, budding running backs. Russell Wilson's one of the best NFL quarterbacks in the league. They should have a nice offensive line. Uh, they're going to run the shit out of the ball, probably very effectively, play defense, and they're going to grind games out 17 to 10 every single week. I think they're going to do a really good job of doing that. Um, and I've got them winning the division at 11 and five. And then I've got the Rams uh, in second place, edging out the Niners, actually. And as I always say, whenever I mention anything about the 49ers, I try to do a really honest job here of not being straight up homer calls. 
if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, I, I hope that comes across uh, that I'm very open about my fandom because I grew up in the fucking Bay and, you know, the first like football game I ever actually remember seeing is the 1994 uh, Super Bowl <laughs> when Steve Young and the Niners beat uh, beat up on the Chargers um, in uh, 1994. So, you know, I've been a fan from the beginning. My family's fans, yada, yada. Uh, it's in the blood and it's in the podcast name. Uh, fun fact. But I try to be honest about it as well. Um, and I've I've spit plenty of negativity toward Jimmy G and Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman and some doubts I have about the 49ers, which I'll just save for another time. But nonetheless, I've got the Rams edging out the 49ers, both of them at nine and seven. Now, you're probably spitting out your uh, beverage if you're um, listening to this thinking the Rams were 13 and three last year. Seemed like a team that probably would have gone undefeated if Cooper Cup didn't get hurt. They had every chance in the world to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but came up short. And now I've got them at nine and seven. A lot of this has to do with Gurley. I know he's playing. I know he's quote unquote healthy. Um, the issue is I don't think he's healthy. Um, they've been holding him out, which is smart, so he doesn't get hurt in the preseason. He will be Todd Gurley for probably the first four to six games of the season because they're going to run the shit out of him until he can't anymore. That's fine. What happens, though, when the arthritis picks up or he has a bad day waking up or he's sore as shit and he can't do what he does and all of a sudden Todd Gurley's sitting out games like he did last year or he just isn't 100%. Now we're talking about Malcolm Brown. Solid, but not Todd Gurley. Darrell Henderson, solid, not Todd Gurley. Um, Cooper Cup, who I love and I'm rooting for, is coming off a torn ACL. Looks better than ever, according to Jay Glazer, and better metrics and all the shit since his ACL recovery. Awesome. Again, it's a torn ACL. Shit happens all the time. Thigh injuries, hamstring injuries, off of that is more what I'm worried about than him rehurting the ACL there. Cooks and Woods are two of, you know, another incredible wide receiver tandem. A little bit worried about Goff, though, to be honest. Um, he was crazy efficient last year. I think that falls down a little bit. And when Gurley went out and Cup went out, Goff didn't plummet because the Rams are just too fucking good for that. And Sean McVay is a genius. But he definitely fell a bit back down to earth. If Gurley actually goes down and Cup has any setbacks, I'm concerned that Goff is not going to be able to be um, kind of just a high-flying quarterback that a lot of people expect him to be. So I'm going to take that into consideration, and I'm going to put the Rams uh, at 9 and 7. Um, now, again, if Gurley's Gurley and, and Cooper Cup plays and the Rams defense is solid and they're the fucking Rams, then they'll probably go 13-3 and three again and win the division going away. But I don't think that happens this year. The Niners, I've got it 9-7 as well. A lot of guys coming back. Jimmy G, their entire offensive line, most of their defense, all of their receivers, um, their running backs. Uh, Jerick McKinnon's out again, which is fine in my opinion it's very frustrating as a fantasy owner and as a 49er fan uh, and I feel bad for the guy I'm not trying to be a dick but it's just I said this the day they picked him up I said it was a bad call because of his injury history and he's never been that real number one guy worried about it he's glass two years in a row here just shitty situation love Matt Breida love Raheem Mostert love Jeff Wilson Jr. All three of those guys should be on dynasty leagues. They should be on deep ass rosters. I know it sounds crazy. Tevin Coleman, he's Shanahan's guy. He's the fucking starter, blah, blah, blah. I get all that shit, right? I pay attention to the Niners more so than anybody um, in the NFL because I'm a Niner fan. 
And I just think the other three running backs I just mentioned are better running backs than Tevin Coleman. And if they get the chance or he goes down, all three of those guys are going to be as good or better than Tevin Coleman with the same opportunity. So like those guys a lot. But I digress. Their defense is going to get better. Their wide receivers have a serious upgrade this year. Love Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd coming in as rookies. I think they'll both be effective right away. Um, Goodwin has kind of fallen to the Dante Pettis hype, but I think he's going to be a nice weapon as well. Not crazy about Jimmy G. I'll, I'll, I'll you know take a podcast off from bashing him fully. He's fine, and I hope he's. I hope he is fucking incredible. Um, I just don't think he is. So he'll be good enough to get a get the 49ers to. 500 or hopefully nine and seven. So I've got the Rams and the Niners at nine and seven, but I've got the Rams beating them both times and um, therefore taking up uh, that um, second position. And then I've got the Cardinals at seven and nine. The Cardinals were, were three and 13 last year. The Niners were four and 12. I've got both of them um, four or five games better than last year. So of course, Kyler Murray, uh, you know, we've got Cliff Kingsbury, we've got the high flying offense. We've got the air raid, all this shit with the Cardinals. I think it's going to take a few games to be honest with you. So I don't think they're going to like just take the league by storm, but I think by the second half of the season they do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to run off four five, six wins in a row at some point this season, if they really get it dialed in. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give them seven and nine, but I just don't think it's going to happen quite yet. So in the NFC West, Seahawks, Rams, Niners, and Cardinals. All right, my playoff teams for the NFC are the Bears in the one seed, Seahawks in the two seed, the Saints as the three seed, the Cowboys as the four seed, the Packers as the first wildcard team in the five seed, and the Rams as the sixth seed, which just sounds weird to say, <laughs> but that's how the numbers shook out. So once again, the Bears... Seahawks, Saints, Cowboys, respective um, division winners, and then the Packers and the Rams as the wild card teams. And I've got the Saints and the Packers um, representing the NFC in the conference championship game. And third time's a charm. I'm going to take the Saints to beat the Packers. Fair and square, no bullshit. I'm going to get the Saints to win and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl against the already mentioned Chiefs. So one more time in the NFC, I've got the Bears, the one seed, Seahawks two, Saints three seed, Cowboys four, Packers five seed, and the Rams as the sixth seed with the Saints and Packers in the NFC Championship and the Saints moving on to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Hey, listeners, let's take a quick break here. If you like what you're hearing and you want to find us outside of the podcast, please like us and follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod, on Twitter at TCK underscore pod, on Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. And of course, you can always drop us an email at tckpod at gmail.com. Also, please leave a rate and a review on the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It really helps to get your feedback. Before we get into my bold predictions and crazy calls for the NFL season, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. 
Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Two more quick mentions of the NFL teams and quick categories, and then I will jump into my bold predictions and crazy calls. Some teams I'm going to root for in the NFC and the AFC that are not the 49ers, because that's an, that's an obvious root for me as a Niners fan, but NFC teams I'm going to root for outside of the 49ers are the Saints and the Packers that's straight up just rooting for them. Um, and as I mentioned, I think that they're both going to represent the NFC in the championship game. But nonetheless, I'm rooting for the Saints and the Packers throughout the season. And then on the AFC side, I am uh, rooting for the Texans um, and the Browns. I'm buying the Browns hype, uh, as I've mentioned on the podcast, and I like the Texans a lot. A lot of their players are uh, some of my favorite players. I love Deshaun Watson, love New Hopkins. I really like Kiki QT. Um, I could get to like Kenny Stills now that he's on a real team too, so that'll be fun. And and Will Fuller's great when he's healthy. Um, love JJ Watt, of course, one of the best humanitarians in the league. Um, so I'm going to take the uh, Texans and the Browns in the AFC as my teams are root for as well. And then just a funky category I thought about kind of doing up last year, and and um, was interesting to recap it. Um, after the Super Bowl, which again, of course, I'm going to recap all of these prediction episodes that you've been hearing the last couple weeks um, after the Super Bowl to, again, own my shit and pat myself on the back when I called it right, but also um, own it when uh, when I was just straight up wrong and discuss why I was wrong. And um, what I wanted to mention was some teams that I think are going to be roughly four games better or worse than last year. So in the NFC, I think the Packers will be at least four games better than last year. So the Packers last year were six, nine, and one. I've got them at 11 and five. And I think the Rams are going to be at least four games worse, honestly. I've already mentioned the Rams and my concerns that are all over the field, um, which again, this could blow up on my face and they could be 13 and three and absolutely fucking crush. But I've got them right now at nine and seven, and they were thirteen and three last year. So I've got them at a four point uh, four win differential, and I've got the Packers at a four and a half win differential from last year. On the AFC side, I've got the Raiders actually being uh, three games or four games better. Right now, I've got them at three or sorry seven and nine, and they were four and twelve last year. But I could see them at eight and eight to making it that four game better. So I'll take the Raiders uh, to be four games better than last year, and then. Worse, 
uh, the Dolphins. Uh, they were seven and nine last year. I've got them at two and four. Again, I'd be surprised if they even win a game um, <laughs> in general. So, unfortunately, not buying the Dolphins. Um, and uh, so I will take the Packers to be better than four games from last year in the NFC, and I'll take the Raiders to be better than four games in the AFC, and the Rams to be worse than four games, and the uh, Dolphins also to be four games worse than last year. Let's jump into my bold predictions and my crazy calls for the NFL season and get out of here. These, uh, again, bold predictions, just like I did with the fantasy players and the categories, bold predictions are basically, you know, um, you know, reasonable, uh, but, you know, probably unlikely. Um, and then crazy calls are basically just long shots, you know, uh, diving deeper than just a bold prediction. So my first bold prediction, I've got five of each. My first bold prediction is that the Atlanta Falcons end up with either the best record in the NFC or the worst record in the NFC. Last year, they were seven and nine. So again, the Falcons end up with the, either the best record in the NFC or the worst record in the NFC. My case for the best record in the NFC for the Atlanta Falcons, 13 of the Falcons' 16 games this year will be played indoors. Of course, they have their eight home games in Atlanta, but then five more at Arizona, at Houston, at Indianapolis, at Minnesota, and at New Orleans. Matt Ryan and the Falcons have been much better indoors over his career on turf versus outdoors on the grass, especially late in the season against the elements. Plus their entire defense, offensive line and running back core last year battled injuries. Everybody pretty much is coming back healthy for the most part. Um, and they brought back former OC Dirk Cutter, who is now back in Atlanta once again, um, who helped Julio Jones and Matt Ryan to career years in 2014 before um Matt Ryan's 2016 MVP campaign. So that's a reason they could be the number one seed in the NFC. A case for the worst record in the NFC. In 2018, the Falcons traveled a total of 8,243 miles for their eight road games against the Eagles, Steelers, Redskins, Browns, Saints, Packers, Panthers, and Bucks. This season, that number comes close to doubling. The Falcons will log a total of 13,654 miles through the air this year, and they'll play in all four time zones. That's more than 5,400 more miles traveled this year than last year. They also have the seventh toughest schedule in the NFL, including 13 of those games against teams with a winning record from 2018. So, Again, if everyone stays healthy and everything clicks with Dirk Cutter again this year, I think the Falcons are going to be fucking nasty in the NFC. If those injuries catch up to them and people start going down, namely Devonta Freeman, Dirk Cutter doesn't click right away, the defense isn't as good as we hope it's going to be and, and falls again this year, or anything happens to Matt Ryan or Julio Jones, I think the Falcons straight up could be potentially one of the worst teams in the NFC. So very, very um, you know polar opposite projections here but my bold prediction is the falcons will end up as either the best team in the nfc overall or the worst uh record in the nfc overall bold prediction number two no team wins more than 12 games so i said this last year and i was real close but the rams and the saints both won 13 games most teams can beat any other team at this point in the nfl on any given sunday um especially with 
the roster is kind of more even than ever before, in my opinion. And there will be a team or two, of course, that's ahead of the pack and a team or two that will be behind. But I think for the most part, everybody's pretty evenly matched these days if everyone's healthy. So I think it'll even out to about 12 wins for the division winners uh, versus, you know, like a 13 and three, 14 and two, 15 and one. So I just don't see any team really that is a separator that far from their competition in the division. Honestly, um, I, you know, I could see every division winner being, you know, 10 and six to 12 and four. So that's what I'm going to stick with. So bold prediction number two, no team in the NFL wins more than 12 games this year. Regular season games, obviously. Uh, Number three, the Colts and the Eagles both get snubbed late and miss the playoffs. Both made the playoffs last year. So for the Colts, luck retirement. I mentioned it earlier. Worried about Jacoby Brissett. Um, I think he's going to be fine. I think the Colts are going to be competitive. They're going to play everybody legit and will get, you know, like I said, about 500, I think. Um, Now, could they rattle off 10-11 wins? Sure. There's talent all over the field as long as Brissett can kind of pull it out of them and they have a great coaching staff like they should be fine but it's not Andrew Luck um so I think that the Colts missed the playoffs this year and then for the Eagles again it's all about Wentz's health I already mentioned that so with the Luck question mark and the Wentz question marks I say that the Colts and the Eagles both get snubbed late and miss the playoffs this year uh both made the playoffs in 2018 number four I said this bold prediction last year, but it was kind of a two-parter, so I'm following up the second half of the bold prediction. The first bold prediction uh, piece last year was that the Browns, this is last year, of course, the Browns win at least six games this year, which I nailed. They won seven. The Browns win at least six games this year, which was last year, and make the playoffs next year, which is this year. (laughs) So my bold prediction is that the Browns make the playoffs this year Not much of a bold prediction with all of the Browns hype and everything else. But again, you know, this is this is piggybacking off of last year's bold prediction when the Browns were coming off of a fucking horrendous season. Baker Mayfield was not Baker Mayfield yet. Odell Beckham was not in town yet. Um, Their defense wasn't quite as good. So this, you know, Nick Chubb was not around yet. Um, So this is, you know, I'm, I'm counting. This is fair. The Browns win at least six games last year. I got that with seven. And then the second half of this is that the Browns make the playoffs this year. So that's my bold prediction. Piggybacking off of last year. Number five, the Ravens represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Now, I just mentioned that I think that the um, Chiefs will get to the Super Bowl and represent the AFC. I think that's actually going to happen. That's what my projections tell me. Um, that's what the numbers I've run tell me that the chiefs will be the team to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. However, my bold prediction is that the Ravens are actually that team to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. The Ravens nearly beat the chargers last year in the wild card game. Let's not forget that Lamar Jackson, basically he only played in like the final three fucking drives of the game or something. Now he played the whole game, but he turned into a completely different quarterback on the final three drives of the game and almost won that at that point. But the Ravens played like shit all the way through before then, and it was too little too late. But if Lamar Jackson plays this season the way that he played against the Chargers in that final quarter, he's going to be something special. So they nearly beat the Chargers last year in the wildcard game. They played the Chiefs real well last year as well before a Tyreek Hill slant 
uh, kind of slant to the house, beat them in the regular season. And Baltimore can pretty much hang with anybody in, in the AFC, in my opinion. So Baltimore is a tough place to play, especially late in the year. And their defense combined with the heavy run attack led by offensive coordinator Greg Roman, who propelled the 49ers and Colin Kaepernick uh, to the Super Bowl against the Ravens, ironically, will kind of be the opposite of what every team is pre-gaming for on, the, on a weekly basis. So if Lamar Jackson turns into a decent passer, I really think that the Ravens will be super nasty. And so, um, you know, my bold prediction is that the Ravens represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And fun fact, the Ravens have gone undefeated over their last three pre-seasons. 4-0 again this year. So my bold predictions are, number one, that the Falcons will end up with either the best record in the NFC or the worst record in the NFC. Number two, no team wins more than 12 games. Number three, the Colts and the Eagles both get snubbed late to miss the playoffs. Both made the playoffs in 2018. And then just piggybacking off of last year's prediction that the Browns win more than six games. They did. They won seven. So my second half of that is that the Browns end up making the playoffs this year. And then number five, the Ravens represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Let's get into my crazy calls. I've got five more for you, and then we'll wrap up this episode. Number one crazy call is, in fact, crazy, in my opinion. Um, and this is not just hot take shit. I say it all the time. I do not do this for clicks and hot takes and reactions and stuff. I do this because I could see it literally happening. So I want to kind of alert you of some of my concerns. Number one crazy call is that both Los Angeles teams miss the playoffs. That's the Rams and the Chargers both miss the playoffs. Both, of course, made the playoffs last year. It's my first crazy call. This all boils down to Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon, as well as their offensive lines and defenses. The holdouts and injuries are affecting both of the L.A. teams. There's question marks all over the place. Both teams could, I think, pretty steadily go 12-4 and four at least. Um, but again, if shit hits the fan, which it could, then I've already expressed my concerns on both teams when I broke down the um, the records. I can see both of these teams getting snubbed and not making the playoffs. So my first crazy call is that the Rams and the Chargers both missed the playoffs this year. Number two, the Niners win the NFC West. So right now I have the Seahawks winning the NFC West, which I just mentioned. And I just said that the Rams um, will be the sixth seed in my opinion, but they could even miss the playoffs in one of my crazy calls. So therefore I've got the Niners leapfrogging them. I've got the Niners uh, to win the NFC West, that's my second crazy call. A ton of injuries last year. Question marks for every NFC West team, in my opinion. If they stay healthy and the defense plays well, which they've played pretty well in the preseason, they could really compete, I think, with with uh, most teams in the NFC, um, especially if that offense hits its stride uh, with Shanahan, which we've kind of been waiting for for the last three seasons. So if Jimmy G is what everybody hopes he's going to be, the receivers stay healthy, we get some legit running back core going on, um, and we can start pumping up some points, and that defense plays well, I think the Niners could really surprise uh, this year. So my second crazy call is that the Niners win the NFC West. Number three, the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East. So this is a crazy call because, frankly, since 2001, the Patriots have won the AFC East every single season except for 2002 when the Jets did it and 2008 when the Dolphins did it. The Bills are due. The Bills have not won the division <laughs> since 1995. 
but they were 4-0 this year in the preseason. And Bills Mafia, I'm rooting for you. I like the Bills. I know that Daniel, um, we're going to get to his bowl predictions and, and crazy calls from the last episode. Again, I'd mentioned if you listened that he wasn't able to make it, so I gave you mine and he'll give you his later on. But he, one of his bowl predictions as well is that the Bills make the playoffs. And I'm going to go a step further and just say that a crazy call is that the Bills actually win the division. Um, so, I, uh, of course, it's the Patriots' you know, castle uh, to, to dethrone. But um, crazy call is that the Bills win the division. I think they could be uh, sleepers this year all around. Number four, staying in that division, Miami. The Miami Dolphins go winless to secure the number one overall pick in the draft in 2020. So they got rid of Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills to the Texans. They have a rough QB tandem with Fitzmagic and Rosen and refuse to cut their running backs loose. Um, either to another team so they can actually you know play for a competitor or just on the field using them properly um, with Kenyon Drake and, and uh, Kalen Balage. Uh, plus they have a terrible defense and they just sent I think their be- you know their best um, linebacker to New Orleans in Kiko Alonso. So it's going to be rough um, for the Dolphins since 1944. Only five teams have gone winless. In a, in a um, NFL season. 1944, only five teams have gone winless, winless over an entire NFL season. The 1960 Cowboys, 1976 Buccaneers, the 1982 Baltimore Colts, but that was a uh, strike-shortened season, so only played nine games. 2008 Lions and the 2017 Browns. So the uh, 60 Cowboys, 76 Bucks, 82 Baltimore Colts, 08 Lions, and 17 Browns uh, are the only five teams since 1944 to go winless. Perhaps we will include the 2019 Dolphins. Number four crazy call, the Miami Dolphins go winless to secure the overall pick. Um, number one overall pick in 2020. I've got them winning two games right now, but uh, maybe that's a little generous. And number five, the Browns win the Super Bowl. My fifth crazy call is that the Browns not only make the playoffs, as one of my bold predictions are, but they go ahead and they win the Super Bowl. You know, what the hell? Why not? All the Browns hype. I'm buying the Browns hype. If Odell stays healthy and Nick Chubb stays healthy and Kareem Hunt comes back to help him out and their defense is as nasty as we think it is and Baker Mayfield uh, grows into that quarterback we think he can be, um, I think the Browns could really take the league by storm this year. And uh, if everything falls into place, I think the Browns could win the Super Bowl. So um, I'm going to say that my fifth bull, uh, crazy call is that the Browns not only make the playoffs, but they win the Super Bowl. And if I were a betting man, I would put my money on the Browns, Bills, 49ers, and Texans uh, with their odds and their you know outside dark horse chance to actually win the Super Bowl there. So to recap my crazy calls, number one, the Rams and Chargers both missed the playoffs after both making the playoffs last year. Number two, the 49ers win the NFC West. Number three, crazy call, the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East. Number four, crazy call, the Miami Dolphins go winless to secure that number one overall pick in the 2020 draft. And number five, crazy call, the Browns win the Super Bowl.
That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us at tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can also find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod or on Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast page. And shortly, you'll be able to view our website as well. If you've gained any value from this episode, please leave a rate and review for the podcast and give us a like and a follow on the social medias. It really does make a difference for us and I much appreciate it. Make the most of the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your three-day weekend, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.